Welcome to the Oakcrest podcast channel. Oakcrest School in Vienna, Virginia challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop character, faith, and leadership potential to thrive in college and throughout their lives. In this podcast, theology teacher Holly Sauls shares her insights about helping parents guide their daughters to navigate and thrive in our current culture. By working together, Ms. Sauls provides practical tips to help parents cultivate peace, joy, and the skills necessary for their daughters to stand strong. I'm going to start off with a quotation from one of my favorite philosophers. It is not unimportant to acquire one sort of habit or another right from our youth. On the contrary, it is very important. Indeed, it is all important. That Aristotle said that over 2,000 years ago, and it is still true. It is not unimportant. (laughs) It is important for young children to acquire good habits. And um, good habits are the basis for moral development. My presentation is based on the book called Raising Good Children by Thomas Lycona. And he talks about between five and seven stages of moral development. I'm only going to be talking about stage two and stage three because we're talking about middle school and ninth and 10th graders, basically. So um, the stage two of moral development, first you have to understand that when I say moral development, it doesn't mean that there are certain things that are good for kids at a certain age that are not good for kids at another age. What I simply mean is we're talking about the development of the understanding of what is right and the development of the reasoning to be good. So stage two is called what's in it for me fairness. And this usually begins in elementary school. So what is right for a stage two girl? She thinks, I should look out for myself, but be fair to those who are fair to me. And what is her reason for being good? Self-interest. What's in it for me? Now, don't, don't get discouraged if you find that your daughter is thinking, what's in it for me? This is typical of stage two thinking, and she grows out of it. Um, the trick for parents is to understand that it's okay for your daughter to be at that point because developmentally, that's where she is. However, we want them, of course, to move on to a more altruistic and a larger worldview. But we have to understand the profile of stage two. So girls in in the stage two are becoming more independent and aware of their individuality. I am sure that as I tell you all these things, you're going to be feeling like this is a deja vu, that you see that in your own ch- children. You might, If you're a teacher, you probably see it in all of your students. You can see it in your neighbor's kids. That's because this is what happens. So they're becoming more independent, and they're becoming more aware of their individuality. They believe that everyone has their own point of view, and it's a valid point of view, no matter what they say, and they want and they need privacy. This is something that... Um, can be misinterpreted by parents because, of course, before stage two, in fifth grade and fourth grade and third grade, they would run home and tell you everything that went on during the day. 
when they get to stage two, they don't do that anymore. If you ask them how is school, they will say, okay, good, even if they're girls. Boys say it more often, but girls also tend to say that. So don't worry, it's normal. They grow out of it. The other thing to keep in mind is they do consider themselves the moral equals of adults. So if, they're the, if they are the moral equal of their parents and teachers, and we're authority figures, they're going to have authority issues because they think that they are equal to us. And they think that adults should really not boss kids around. In this st stage two, they have a tendency to have more fights. They have a tendency to name calling sometimes because they think they have the right to pay back every perceived wrong done to them. Um, not only that, but they actually should take revenge. They get, they get a little mean here. Um, another thing that you're going to notice is that for them, relationships are deals, okay? And rules are seen as bargains. So knowing that that's how they think, we as parents and teachers and adults in general, if they understand relationships as deals, that's how we talk to them because they will understand that and they are more likely to cooperate. So I'll do this for you if you do that for me. You're showing them what's in it for them and you're being fair. Of course, being fair is the most important virtue or value for these, for these young girls. Um, they also may sneak if they can't negotiate for what they think is fair. Years ago, um, a mother spoke to me about her, her daughter who wanted to subscribe to a teen magazine that the parents didn't want her to have. So they said no. The girl went to her friend's house, ordered the magazine, had it sent to her friend's house, and then every month she would go over, over to her friend and they would look at the magazine together. And the parents had no idea that was going on until years later when the girl actually told her mother what she had done. But this is a perfect example of um, if they perceive something to be unfair or unjust, they will sneak. Um, they also compare how we treat them and how we treat other people. They demand equal treatment. They, it's almost impossible for most of them to understand that people are different and you treat people differently. So uh, don't be surprised if that happens. Just know it's part of the stage. And we're going to talk next about how do you get out of the stage. Um, another thing that's important to keep in mind is if they do not see harmful results from their actions, they may not think that those are wrong. So as parents and teachers, what does that mean? That means we have to have consequences already lined up for certain behaviors that we don't want to happen. And you have to, it has to be appropriate for the, for whatever behavior you're thinking about. It can't be something that's beyond the scope, right? That's not fair. So the most important virtue for these girls in their mind is fairness or justice. So stage two and you. What is the most important virtue that adults can have when dealing with these girls? It's patience. We have to have patience because they are, um, they think they're right, they think they're equals, 
They think that they have uh, a right to their thoughts, which of course they do, even if they happen to be the wrong thoughts or kind of unusual reasoning. So we have to we have to um, understand that it's normal. We have to be patient at the same time that we that we want to lead them up to the next stage, which is stage three. Um, so how do you have patience with, with children like this? First of all, very, very important not to take things personally. It helps to think when, when, when your daughter becomes disrespectful or whatever, to think, oh, that's not my daughter, that's the stage talking to me. It, it helps you to be patient and not to take things personally. You need to insist on respect but keep things in perspective and pick your battles. You don't have to pick every single battle that you see coming down the road. Pick the ones that are the most important. Uh, be willing to negotiate in order to work out solutions that are fair to both of you. So um, if you want her to garden with you and you know she doesn't like gardening, you be the one to dig out the weeds perhaps and she can be the one to plant the flowers. You take the harder part or the, the most disagreeable part on yourself, and she's going to see that, of course, you're being fair. Um, so also, you know, if you want her to clean up after, after dinner, um, you can tell her, I will collect the stuff in the living room and bring it into the kitchen while you do the dishes. And she sees that you're willing to, to do the part part of the job and she, you're not foisting the whole thing on yourself, on, on her. However, please keep in mind that um, a, a very common tendency for parents is obviously wanting their children to do well in school. And so you say, oh my goodness, she's, she told me before how much homework she has tonight. I'm, not, I'm going to tell her I'll do the dishes for her. Okay, that sounds very nice. From our point of view, you couldn't be more charitable. Now, from the point of view of a stage two girl, however, she says, hmm, I now see that if I want to get out of the dishes, all I have to do is tell mom how much homework I have and get kind of dramatic about it, and she'll let me out of doing the dishes. Not all girls are like that, but sometimes they are, and so we have to understand that that may be the way she's thinking. So my advice is do not... Do not let the kids get out of the chores that they are, are normally expected to do. They have to learn how to integrate everything into their lives. Okay, so now we're very patient with the girls. We understand them. We don't take things personally. We insist on respect, but we're willing to negotiate. How do we challenge stage two girls? Well, first of all, by appealing to cooperation and love. This is bringing them up a notch rather than fairness as, a, as the reason to do what you are asking them to do. Cooperation and love makes them look outward rather than inward. And this is, this is us helping them to be more mature in how they th think morally. Um, very, very helpful to emphasize religious values that stress the importance of love. You know, if, you, if you're a person who is really into justice and fairness love <laughs> is not necessarily part of how you view the world. Um, if somebody helps you, great, you love them. But if they don't, you don't see the need. So 
we want to emphasize values and the importance of love. Also help, help your daughters or your students to become more sensitive to the feelings of other people by pointing out how what they say can be interpreted by somebody else. Uh, I personally have found that this works very well in, in class when kids say things that come off a little rude. I will talk to them after class and I will say, you know, I know you. I know you're not a rude person, but the way that you said that came across to me as the teacher as being rude. So I wanted, I just wanted to tell you that this is how an adult is going to interpret that way of talking. And it, it's very helpful to them because you're telling them, of course, that wasn't a rude statement. Of course, I didn't mean to be rude, but adults interpret things in a different way. Um, that's always very helpful to them. And nurture a positive friendship with your daughter that will help her to want to live up to your expectations. If you're, if she, you're not on a peer friendship, right? That's get that straight from right, right from the get go. We're not peers, even though she thinks we are. Um, so our friendship with our, with our students and, and our daughters is going to be that of an adult with a stage two kid. Um, but if you show her that you love her by understanding her, by not correcting her every time she says something that's kind of strange, um, she will be more willing to live up to your expectations because she knows that, they're not, that you're not judgmental. Um, another thing that's helpful and important is to help her to feel like an important part of your family. Give, talk to her about how you need her in order um, for things to run well, in order for kid, the other kids to be able to, to do whatever they're doing. And little by little, she will uh, react more and more positively to that. Um, so help stage two girls to focus on living up to your expectations rather than focusing on concrete rewards or avoiding punishment. Um, concrete rewards. We're talking about middle school girls. And they... We don't want them to create the habit of going for the reward first and doing what you want simply in order to get the reward. Because once the reward is gone, they're not going to do anymore what you want them to do because they weren't focusing on that. They were focusing on, you know, going to the movies or going to the mall or you know, whatever. Very important that you don't give them too many concrete rewards. Um, for example, like giving them money if they get good grades. That, don't do that. Because they want the money and they'll get the grades for the money and then they get a little older and you say, well, now that you're older, we've decided to change. They're, they're not, they're, they're not motiv motivated any longer to get good grades because you're not giving them any money. Okay. Um, Try to model a kind and caring person rather than a controlling person. This is where patience is so important because sometimes you you know, you can see <laughs> that they're kind of like way out there in the way that they think. And we, we want to pull them back because they know pulling them back is better for them. Don't, please, most adults are controlling because that's how we get things done. Um, but you can't be that way 
with a stage two girl in an obvious way. Uh, if you try to be caring rather than controlling, you probably will elicit a more mature response from your stage two daughter. All right, so now we're going into ninth and 10th grade. Um, at the beginning of ninth grade, they are definitely still stage two kids, but they start growing with an inner, they, their inner life starts growing in ninth grade and they become inner and outward directed. Okay, now, that, now what others think of them is very important. Peer pressure is very strong in stage three children. Um, situation ethics is very strong. Now, situation ethics is a way of figuring out what's right and wrong by looking around you and seeing what kind of behavior is accepted or encouraged. So this is, this is when kids are going to say, Mom, everybody's doing it. Everybody's piercing her nose. Come on, Mom, let me pierce my nose. Um, or let me wear nail polish. Or let me get a pedicure or whatever, because everybody's doing that. Um, so we have to look and to see in stage three, what do they consider to be right? Here it is. I should be a nice person and live up to the expectations of people I know and care about. What's my reason for being good? So others will think well of me and I can think well of myself. So you can see that they're beginning to think more about what kind of a person am I, am I becoming? So situation ethics is where they're looking to see what, what's everybody else doing and, I'm, and maybe I want to do that. An example that I always give when I'm, when I'm giving this presentation is binge drinking when kids get to college. And I even, I tell this to my junior and senior students also. And I, I say, girls, I don't think that any one of your parents taught you from, from your youngest days how important binge drinking is when you get to college. They didn't do that. However, when you get to college, many kids think, well, it's okay. The place that I'm at, everybody does it. There are tons of parties going on. Um, maybe it's okay because in this situation, it looks like not only is it accepted, it's approved. This is situation ethics. Many people base their entire life on situation ethics. Um, but pro the stage three girls will use it without realizing that that's what they're doing. This means that they can confuse doing what is right with doing what others want them to do. Their emotions can take over. They can be very critical, but don't forget our, our um, mantra is, this is the stage talking to me, this is not my daughter. Your true daughter will come back to you in at the end of 10th or the beginning of 11th grade. So just hang in there. Now, stage three, they're more cooperative and caring than they used to be. And they think that trust, trust is much more important for them. They are capable of compassion and empathy and altruism. They want to be a good person. They want to live up to their own internalized idea of what a good person is. So this is why it's so important 
for the adults in their lives to be examples of what a good person can be like. We all have different personalities and temperaments, so good people can come in a variety of ways, right? And she's beginning to try to figure out what kind of a person do I really want to become? Mercy now, in, in stage two, there was no mercy. Here, mercy begins to come to, into play. They can take the viewpoint of the group, um, you know, all for one and one for all. They'll, they're able to see that helping without an immediate reward is actually good. They're, when they're younger and they get into stage three, they're relatively easy to get along with. Sometimes teens tend to regress, but uh, just hang in there. They come back. Okay, how do you challenge a stage three girl? First of all, you uh, help stage three girls to feel that you count on them to make your family what it is. Uh, I, <laughs> there was a, uh, a girl in my old school in Chicago one time who came home and told her mother, triumphantly, Mom, I'm in the popular group. And the mother looked at her and she said, well, honey, I don't think you're going to be in the popular group for very long because us, in our family, we try to have all kinds of friends and we don't gossip and we're not exclusive. She went, listed several things that she thought the, the popular group would not like. And then she said to her daughter, you may find that after a while you're not in the popular group because you're, you know, you're a smith, and this is, what, this is what we are, and this is what we do. So lo and behold, about three weeks later, she came back and reported to her mother that, in fact, she was no longer part of the popular group. But that mother helped her to realize that these were the things that made her family what, they, what it is, and she was part of that. Treat them as individuals with their own personalities and their quirky things that make each one unique. You may not like your daughter's hairstyle, but that's not the most important thing in the world. But she has quirky things. She loves to be quirky. When there are special occasions at school, like Wacky Tuesday, where you come dressed in a crazy way, the thing that they love the most is to say to them, you look terrible. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thank you. Well, you know, um, you have to treat three, stage three girls with respect. Don't compare them with their siblings or their classmates. Teach moral values that offer an attractive image of a good person. Um, encourage the virtue of independence by your expectations. Don't do everything for them. Do not bring in their homework. Don't bring their lunch to school. She's not going to starve if she has to eat one little bag of chips that a friend gave her. She's going to remember, I have to be more independent and bring my own lunch. Or I have to remember to bring my own gym clothes. At the same time, give the girls the chance to talk things over. If they, if they say something and you're like, wow, I need to correct this, don't correct it. Ask them, what did you have in mind when you said that? What were you thinking? What backs that up? Whatever. Give them a chance to say what they think. And no matter what they say, just nod your head don't try to come back with a comeback. Um, they have to have the choice, the chance to voice their own opinions um, and allow the girls at this stage safe ways to rebel. For example, 
if she is irritated with their spouses, maybe in the summertime you could send her to your sister-in-law who has a lot of kids and needs help, and she and she's out of the state. Wow, she gets to leave this, this terrible family that she has and go over and help take care of other little children, and she will love it. And you've helped her to be independent. You've you've recognized that it would be good for her to get you know get some place else by herself. Probably your sister-in-law can have some very meaningful conversations with her that at this stage you may not be able to have. Okay, base your authority on parent-child friendships as much as possible. We're in this together. That's the attitude that's really good for them. Say yes when you can, but please say no when you have to. Um, Acknowledge her desire to be more independent. If you can't give her independence, please have your ideas thought out before you talk to her about the fact that you can't let her do whatever she wants to do. Um, And match your control to the girl's need for it. Have an idea of what kind of privileges you are willing to offer and when you're going to offer them. Um, You know, say, well, you know, when you're 14, you can stay up until 9 o'clock. Now you have to go to bed at 8 o'clock. When you get to be a junior, you you can drive to school. Right now, even though you have your license, I'm driving you. Um, So that it's kind of like a rite of passage. If you have rites of passage in your family, it it helps your children to be patient and wait. Um, Use indirect control. Positive expectations are indirectly encouraging girls to channel their interest and their energy. Here at Oakhurst, we have many, many, many camps during the summertime that the girls could be able to choose which one they want to go to um, or which ones because we have a lot of them. Um, Be careful about sending your your daughters to um, college programs that are where she lives in the dorms. Just be very careful about that. But, um, you know... there are science conferences, there are art camps in the summer, that are day camps, there are music camps. Um, okay. Now, the last thing I'm going to say is that we want to uh, promote horizontal growth within each stage and also vertical growth, right? Um, so stage two and stage three girls are going to bounce up and down between the two stages. As a matter of fact, there is a stage zero, um, and um, they can they can fall back into stage zero if they you know if they get caught up with their emotions. Personally, as an adult, I should be at about stage six or seven, being you know concerned about humanity and the good I'm going to do in the world and how I'm going to bring goodness to drown out evil in the world. However, when it gets to traffic laws, I personally. Do I follow the traffic laws because I'm worried about how humanity is going? No. Why do I follow traffic laws? Because I'm, <laughs> I am plummeting down to the point, the stage in which I do not want to get a ticket. And that would be stage one. What, the reason for being good in stage one is to stay out of trouble. That's what motivates me when, when I sometimes when I uh, follow traffic laws. So, you know, don't expect your girls to go zipping up an inclined plane. 
it's up and down and up and down and up and down, just like we actually, even adults do that. Um, so that's what I have to say today. I'm going to do a, I want to read you something from my favorite philosopher, Aristotle. He said something else here about young, young children. He said, they are hopeful. Their lives are filled with expectation. They are more brave than persons of other ages. They are high-minded, and they choose to do what is noble rather than what is expedient. Such, then, is the character of the young. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Oakcrest School. To subscribe to our podcast channel, visit oakcrest.org.